Errol Lynch, a head teacher and practitioner at Touch Tweener. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. And good for having us on. What is Tweener? Tweener is a form of, let's say, Oriental Chinese massage, because that is where I had to go to learn it. And what it is, is based in acupuncture, um, physio, osteo, all in one, including, as you've done, as deep tissue massage. What common injuries do you see uh, footballers have and what benefits does Tweener have on those type of injuries? Right. The, the benefits of the injuries or the in type of injuries we do have for footballers are ankles, groin, lower back, they're kind of the main ones and as well as the whole complete body as a whole. Yeah. One of the, if you start with the the lower back, a lot of play, players actually train wrong. And one of the exercises they do is a squat, which they should investigate. And because the angle to how they do the squat is incorrect, that puts a lot of load on the lower backs. Now, when a lot of footballers, because they're quite strong as athletes, they see they're strong, so they load the bar. This also will make them hurt their lower back even more. And so we have to then re-educate how to squat, um, how to deadlift better, and then after that, um, that takes away some of the, the injuries. The groin, the second one, is for the lower back, is mostly gym work. The groin, the second one, is about bad posture, yeah. And so, sprinting, bad posture, running, bad posture, standing, bad posture, and so this then can affect the groin, and especially because footballers are actually hitting an object, hamstrings, and calves. Yeah, power through the ball this can also bring about trauma to the groin so we actually treat quite a few different um groin injuries and the ankles generally one they're wearing studs and so they're kind of hard services too um some of the players do get bad tackles so they get studied and they come with a lot of ankle problems and we treat a lot of other things but let's say they're the three main that we actually do treat can i ask um any kind of footballers that we may know in the mainstream that you treat? There are a few. I, I work with a few academies and different agents, and so they send their players to us. So one of the very, very first players I worked with was, um, what's his name? Robin Van Persie, which is for Arsenal. And so we had him in the last season of the Arsenal, of his Arsenal career. And that was actually his best season throughout his complete career, if you're an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> then he went to Manchester United. He won them the double of the league, which was also his best season ever. I, we stopped working then. He got injured. They sold him to, to Turkey, Galatasaray, or whichever team they went to. So that's in the past. Um, one of the other ones in the past was David Ginola. Yeah. But we, we got him after football, not while he was actually playing. But of modern times, at the moment, we're working with Arsenal, Chelsea, um, Fulham, West Ham. But the big ones that work at the moment, um, today, England's on court. Yeah, so a lot of players are England break or international break. And so what's quite nice is we've got two players that are on the England team, which had a call-up. So one of them is Ubri Eze, which is from Crystal Palace. He got called up last time in England break. And then this one, we have Edin Katia, which has just been called up and is, hopefully should do well. So they're two of the ones. We've got another guy called Calvin Basse. Yes, and yes. And he's also Nigerian international. He, yeah, he was a... Um, he was at Ajax. Ajax. 
yes. last season and now is at Fulham this season. So, you know, they, these are the three main ones. But we, still, we look after a lot of other teams um, who are like Aaron Jeremy and Gokia, which is for mm-hmm. Watford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we do look after quite a few different different players. And, yeah, and across, let's say they're, they're our biggest um, players that we look after at the moment. If I came to you with, with a lower back issue, um, approximately how long would it take you and your team to to rectify my my issue? It's kind of an unfair question because I'm the best there is. And so for me, one or two treatments, but that's kind of unfair. First, you have to look at the rest of the body before you can look at the lower back. So that's one, you have to look at your nutrition. So repair and healing happens with good sleep, good nutrition, good exercise. One of the problems um, a lot of the clubs have is they use this word called rehab. So you get injured, and if, if you're a normal person, you don't rehab. But if you're a club, they'll rehab you. So once they start to rehab you, they're going to strengthen the muscles that are damaged. It actually causes long-term damage. So there is a difference between, let's say, the general public and a professional footballer. And some people think, oh, because you're a professional footballer and the clubs have a vast amount of money, they must know what they're doing, and so therefore you're going to get better faster. Actually, it's the opposite. And it's almost like if you're walking on a path, and you're in the wrong path, it doesn't matter what you do, everything's going to be wrong. Most of the Premier League clubs and top clubs around, let's say, the world, don't necessarily have it correct. They rely on Western medicine, physios, and, and I, I can give you an example. I had a player that got her at Arsenal last weekend, and he got, he played, they played on Saturday. He came to see me on Thursday. On Thursday, he couldn't raise his arm past here, which is okay. Half hour into the treatment, he could do that. So my question would be, what took the club so long from Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he still can't raise his arm? Now he can do this in half hour of our um, style of treatment. So some treatments can be very quick, depending on the severity. Um, some can be can take a, a long time. And also to your earlier question, one of the common things for players is the ACL um mcl um knee joint problems if they need an operation then we help um to improve the quality of the knee before the operation and we help the rehab afterwards so you are saying it's more about rest than than working on the muscles that were injured prior which is the best thing for any footballer or possibly any athlete uh, within the elite stage and possibly the grassroots. Yeah, because they rehab them and return them to football too fast. And so when you go back, you're going to injure again. Then you're going to injure again. Then you're going to injure again. Now, when you're young, your body will build new muscle tissue. So this will help the body. But when another injury comes, and that's damage, you have so much damaged tissue that your body finds it very difficult to repair. The circulation to the area will find it very difficult to circulate fresh blood, fresh nutrients to make the repair. So when we look at the different styles of massage, what we do is encourage nutrients and blood to go to the area, which brings up another thing. One of the things that they're very common to use will ice. Mm. Yeah, so what ice does, it freezes the area. And so it pushes out good nutrients as well as the bad. And so it's very difficult to make repair. I can give an example of, I like to use um, my clinical experience. 
is uh, I'm in, we don't just work on football, we work on athletes. So I'm in Jamaica, National Stadium, and I've gone to visit, and I've visited the injury room during the middle of an event, and every bed was filled with athletes. And all the athletes had ice on their back, on their hamstrings, on their calves, for the injuries of the day. Some of them were supposed to go to hospital. Now, if the ice is used, all the muscles constrict. You will never know if it's good or bad because your ice is frozen, also it damaged the nerves. So what I, I asked, could I help? They said, yes. I said, good, take all the ice off. First, must take the ice off. Then once I took the ice off, then I was able to allow nutrients to come to the area. Then we did our manipulations. Nobody was injured. Half of them was able to compete um, further on during the day and no one went to hospital. And the first thing I did was just remove the ice. It could show you how damaged it's. They say the ice really should be used within the first 24 hours of injury. So that's when the blood is leaving the blood vessels. You know, trauma, injury, everything expands, blood leaves, goes into the muscle cortex. Once the body will cause plugs for fibrinogen, it will cause plugs to stop the blood from leaking. Once the body has actually stopped leaking, ice is no longer necessary. Yeah, so now you need warmth to encourage the movement and circulation. So I'll, I'll kind of ask you a question. How long would you think the ice has been used in medicine and sports? Oh, wow. It's decades. The ice has really been about since we've had a fridge. Before a fridge, there's no ice. So that will give you the length of time. Ice has been around. We did have ice before, but we had to send ships to Greenland, dig it up put it in the ground because there were no fridges, yeah? So when fridges came along, Americans had it first because they had bigger fridges than we did. When I was younger, we had no fridges. So I know I'm 60, so I know it's not been there 60 years, P period, that's it, yeah? So now the next question is, how long has the human body been able to heal itself without ice? Since time began. Yeah. Okay, so one has a long history, the other one has less than 60 years. Yeah? Okay, so when you used your eyes to put on your ankle, what you were doing was actually reducing the blood supply to the ankle, which could lead to more, more problems. Okay. Food for I thought. hope I'm not speaking too fast. No, listen, I mean, again, you are, you are not only educating uh, the viewers, you had you had educated me. You mentioned about uh, food and also sleep. Could you talk about what type of foods are good for recovery, and also, on average, how much sleep should should someone get uh, to literally assist uh, the recovery process? First, we do with food. There are so many different topics with the way foods are: fasting, keto diets, and so many different fats. But when you actually look at food, we also, I like to read um, a doctor called Dr. Sebi. And I take some of his information and we change it a little bit. First, your food should be alive. So you should and, have electricity in the food. And Any processed food has no electricity. Any microwave food has no electricity. Therefore, it cannot nourish your body. What? Okay, so when you say alive like could you even break it down even simpler right, like? simpler if i take some food and i throw it on the ground um it should start to grow give life 
like seeds. So if I take pasta and I throw pasta on the ground, nothing happens because pasta is processed. If I look at bread and uh, not bread, but um, potatoes, you know, it will start to give life. Things start to grow from it. It'll start to germinate. It'll start to seed. So any food that doesn't do this, ideally, we shouldn't necessarily eat. Any microwave food, we shouldn't eat, period. And again, how long has microwaves been around? Um, not more than 30, 40 years, the technology yes. of the microwave. Yeah, and the way the microwave works, it kills all nutrients within the food. So therefore you're eating the substance and your body will go through the process of digestion, but what your digestion is um, very poor, little to no quality food. Therefore it has no benefit. And if you're eating food that has no energy, then how can you repair? And if I go one step further, it's not sometimes the food. It may be the, the food in order to how you eat it. So to give an example, if I eat meat, steak, which is quite good if you're an athlete, and but some meat may take four, six, eight, 12 hours to digest. So if I've eaten my dinner and three hours have passed, but I feel peckish, and so I eat again, the body will stop digesting the meat to digest something new. And so that process now is stopped and that food now has completed its digestive process. Then you look at your fruits and your vegetables should be digested first. And this will help you digest the meats. Otherwise, if you eat the meats and the heavy foods first, the other food turns to gases, which is not very good for the body. Yeah. So food is important. Number one important, that's where life is. But it's important to eat foods in the right orders, within the right times. So you should eat a certain amount of heavy food long before you go to bed. So the food is not digested in the stomach while you're sleeping. Because when you're sleeping, the blood goes to the liver. The liver will break down the food and remove the old blood cells and which you can now um, defecate and pass out. But if your body's continually digesting food while you're sleeping, you're not getting a good quality sleep to make repair. In your recommendation, when should you stop eating before you go to bed? The, at least three, four hours before bed. Okay. Yeah. But you can eat lighter foods and take on liquids, but the heavy foods we should we shouldn't really be doing. Okay. And yeah. regard regarding the numbers, um, the number of hours of sleep for like recovery. They they recommend between six and eight hours. But again, it depends on your activity, how much nutrients you've taken on board. And if you look at most bodybuilders in this, this world, what they do is they will eat, they will train, they only grow when they sleep. So if you're not sleeping and you can eat, train, that will give you the nutrients to build. But when you're, when you're sleeping is when your body builds. So sleep becomes important. And each person has their own different... Um, number of hours which is beneficial to the individual what do you think about the vegan and plant-based diets athletes the i generally when i'm talking to the athletes I, I ask a couple of questions and i'm very i like to use a lot more visual stuff every single one of the fastest animals on the planet whether it be bird fish or mammal the fastest ones are meat eaters Yes or no? The big, the big animals, like the elephant, the rhino, they're not meat eaters. So if you want to have speed, you may need to eat meat. And if your cells are growing fast, 
So when you're young, meat, I think, is important. And you get to a certain age when you're 50, 60, 70, you are not moving as fast. Your cells do not divide as fast. So meat is not as necessary. So reduction of meat is important. Yeah. So when you're a child and you're growing, your, your times, your body weight, body height, 12, 14, 15, 16, meat becomes necessary. And so if you're a vegan, you may cause some retardation to the growth of your body. But meat is not important for a 60-year-old, a 70-year-old, an 80-year-old, because they do not work as hard. They don't need that type of fuel. They're much more slower, like the cow. The cow works all day long, has a different digestive tract, yes, but he doesn't necessarily need to eat meat. But your cat, panther, cat, would need to, because they need that fast twitch muscle and so on. Why does deep massage hurt? The it's quite fun that question. I do hurt a lot of people because <laughs> my my skill is my power. So therefore, my body weight and strength would be would have that much more. But when you look at the pain itself, everyone has a different pain ratio. Women are stronger than men. The people up north are stronger than those down south. Yeah, so you can also look at those ratios as well. Those okay. who work in the field. Sorry? Is that true? My opinion. And oh. so with my opinion comes with 30 years of clinical experience, which most doctors don't have 30 years of clinical experience. And my clinical experience is seven days a week, eight hours a day. I don't stop. So my data here um, is, I think, superior to some of the books that are written. So let me just say, so you're saying people from Leeds are organically stronger than people from London. Yeah, the you you find it's actually colder the more north you get, it's warmer the more south you get. So just due to the temperature, this can make a difference. And then if you go to a hot country, there's still gonna be north and south. So when I practice Chinese medicine, it's yin and yang. So everything can be explained within those paradigms. So if you're in a warmer country, you work a lot faster, the blood cells are better, the skin is thinner. If you're in the um, north, the skin is thicker because it's cold. Therefore, the sensitivity of the skin becomes less compared to those of south. Interesting. Sorry, um, apologies. I, I literally stopped you in mid-flow. <laughs> right. Like here, because this is recorded, and it's almost like a one-shot. And so if I can educate as many people as possible, they'll know why they chose me over somebody else. Yeah? So Twina is Twi to push, Na to pluck. It is a base form of oriental medicine, mainly in China. I had to go to China, Beijing, Shanghai, Hangzhou to study. I went over a 20-year period. The only reason why I stopped going, because COVID came and I stopped going because of COVID. I got to the stage where um, I was actually lecturing in China, the Chinese, how to do their medicine. So for me, that's kind of the highest I could actually get. I did stop teaching in China in 1996 because they were stealing my work and not crediting me for it. So I stopped um, teaching. I got to a point where we did lectures and I would chair lectures and my Chinese was okay, but I did have a translator. So someone had a translating team and the team was, don't go to China and do the work. So there's a lot of work done in that sense for the, the, the development of Tlina. Before Tlina, I did acupuncture, shiatsu, sports massage, 
reflexology, um, infant massage, baby massage. I'm also a Chinese herbalist as well. So, and when it comes to traditional Chinese medicine, the herbalist is the consultant, then there's the acupuncturist, then there's a Twina practitioner. But when you actually understand Twina, it's not a massage for neck and shoulders, and it's very extremely powerful, and you'll see or find out that it treats all of the other conditions that the other people can do. Deep massage therapy, why does it hurt? It hurts because when you do some repetitive exercises, you can create scar tissue. Scar tissue is addition, adhesions or the muscles stick together. So what I want to do, you can imagine when the muscles stick together in certain areas, could be the hamstrings, you have a leg day, that um, you may find if there's scar tissues there, imagine that being like a dreadlocks. Yeah, and so it's all matted and held together, bonded, but the muscle needs to move. It needs to glide over each surface, but one leg is stuck and now you can't glide. So what I want to do is break down that scar tissue, that adhesion, to allow the muscle to glide again, and this will improve the quality of speed of the athlete. That's why it hurts. And how often should a footballer have a deep tissue massage? The, there are differences. So if I use Van Persie as an example, he came every Thursday unless it was um, Champions League. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the, how often you come, money, distance, um, disease, and time. Some people have money, no time. Some people have time, no money. How far you live? So I, I do have um, people that fly into the country to come and see me for treatment, but they're only coming once a month or once every other month because the, the distance is too far. Yeah? The, I do go out to different places. So um, the other day I had to go to Manchester, and to go to Manchester, I'm not doing it on a regular basis. Um, it takes too long, yeah? So, but the reality is, if you can get treatment every day, but the treatment must change. So if they say, well, oh, it hurts. If you're causing pain every day, you're not doing your job well. So if you come to me with an injury, then expect some discomfort because you have scar tissue to break. But if I've worked on you two, three, four times on the same injury and scar tissue has been broken down, you should not have discomfort. Your body should be able to withstand the discomfort because the quality of the muscles and nutrients in the muscles had better and, and repaired. Yeah, but so if there is damage, yes, there is discomfort because of the adhesions. And if you know, when you look at sports massage and the difference between what we do and let's say a sports massage does, a sports massage therapist may press hard on all muscles, good or bad, and so therefore you have discomfort. What we try to do is we try to find just the damaged muscle. And you don't have to press hard on damaged muscle because it's damaged. And I don't need to press good muscle because then I'm wasting time or energy when I should be concentrating on the damaged muscle or the imbalances of the body. Do massage guns work? There's been a huge avalanche of, of these all across the internet. Um, you see them in, in like every, every gym as well. Do they work? There are two, can I, can I say two different things? Yes. Yes, they work, but not well. And what happened? When the massage guns came and they were fashionable, Theragun and other different brands, they flooded the market. What happened in our clinics, we refused to use them from the beginning. We have them. I've got one by my bed and I'll use it. And, but the problem with the Theragun is it only has one technique. 
That's up and down, yeah, up and down, yeah. yeah. One speed, what, more speeds, but one technique. They train you, only use the belly of the muscle when it's come for this. So in that sense, for that, yes, after a while, they're extremely boring. We are doing, I'm making a video for Theraguns, and I'm going to send it to um, the massage gun people, because when using the Theragun, yes, you can use it on the belly of the muscle, but when you're trained in the body nutrition um, and that's in physiology, you can use it on a thing called lymphatic points. Yeah, and there are certain lymphatic points around the body. And if you train and treat the lymphatic points, you're draining the body of toxins, mucus, and so on, which improves your health, um, your immune system. And then the Theragun becomes much more exciting or use because you're using it for a healthy basis rather than just damaged muscle. So within the next month or so, you'll see some videos that we're going to put on, um, on the internet. Mm. Yeah, better way to use a Theragun. Could you explain what muscle knots are and... And how do they happen in the body? The, there are a couple of ways that muscle knots are. Like I said earlier, they are can be adhesions where the muscles stick together. Any two muscles that rub, they'll kind of form a bond and they stick and then they don't move. Now, the body is quite fascinating. I think it's quite brilliant. The body will keep that in balance until the imbalance is treated. So sometimes you'll roll it and you'll feel it. Some may be lymphatic tissue where circulation is pretty poor and you'll feel the difference of clotted blood, mucus. Um, if it stays long, sometimes you'll get um, bursas. And so on the body, there are many different types, but knowing which is which and how they move becomes, I suppose, the, the better question. The, they are, the body will produce them because you may decide to stand in one position inappropriately in one position and the you know like if you lean with one leg and so you're not standing balanced like this but one leg like this well the standing leg may produce them because it's a stabilizing leg the other one stays loose and um, flesh in this way so yeah there are different there are different types of the same thing that you're asking yeah and to get them you then you have two categories if it's by blood where the blood is clotted under the skin you can't pick it it's harder to move. If it's where the energy is poor, where the circulation is not moving, you can warm it. And then we call that chi stagnation. So you can move that by heat. The blood one, you mostly use herbs or skin rubs or things to go through the pores to break down the blood stagnation. There are probably viewers out there listening to you and watching you and and again, you are very knowledgeable and, and I'm learning quite a lot. Anyone that suffers from consistent pins and needles, what, what causes pins and needles? And, right. and is any that something to be very worried about? Anything that causes any sensation in the body is nerve related because it's the nerves that will carry um, any sensation whether it be pins and needles, pain or heat, cold, in that sense. So you may find that there is compression blocking a nerve somewhere. So we also have the same. If the pain is here, that's not where the problem is. If the pain is here, this is when the body's compensating somewhere else and then the pain fixed here. So you know where an issue is and imbalance, you have to find the cause. So a, a simple example, if my bulb blows, first thing I may change the bulb but it doesn't work. Second thing I do is I check the switch. Yeah, the switch may be the problem. 
If it's not the switch, then I go to the fuse box. It's a bigger problem. So you can look at the different levels of what I would need to do to bring about a balanced homeostasis in, in the, the human athlete or patient. You've like probably answered the question, but uh, again, I, I am I am kind of saying this probably on a bit of a selfish note anyway. Free benefits of tuna um, massage therapy for footballers. Number one is that we bring, like I said, the homeostasis for the balance of the patient, um, the baller. If the baller is in the zone, if the baller is in the zone, their energy is reserved and they're smiling, they're happy and they can do what they want. When they're not in the zone, injuries can happen. When they play, when they're tired, injuries can happen. So my job as a therapist, if you're injured, is to get you uninjured quickly, number one. When you're not injured, is to regulate and maintain good health. So you maintain a good speed. If you are speed and agile, less likely you are to become damaged. Yeah, and the, the other part is, what we also do is that we like to educate the athlete. And so if you are educated, you will know what not to do. Sometimes that's enough to make you better. You know, so you, your diet may be better, your sleeping better, your posture. We teach you how to walk. We teach you how to sit, to stand, um, and go through certain exercises. So we work with boxers. I was working, unfortunately, um, with Dillian White um, just a little while ago. And but the same thing, to make sure that he can stay inside and do his training to go through the whole fight camp so that when you enter the ring, you don't have those problems. It's the same as a footballer. So I could use Van Persie again as an example. The, the trade between Arsenal and Man United, because he came so late, he did not do any training at Man U. The first game of the season, he was only supposed to play 45, he ended up playing 75, because his body was in a better state. So he could run because he doesn't have injury. When we look at younger players, many of them don't know how to breathe, and so they think they're running at a high level. But if you look, they most of them are like kyphosis, their shoulders are forward, their lungs are small. So what we do with these guys is also go for a program with them so that their upright posture is good. The lungs are large. If your lungs are good, you can run all day without being tired. So, you know, the tweener can do that. It breaks down scar tissue. It can also, sometimes the body doesn't like telling you where the problem is because it will compensate so you don't feel it. So when we do the treatment, we say to you, there's a problem here, there's a problem, even though you don't know it, but your body's compensating. So I can look for the muscles that compensate, adjust those, fix your posture, and therefore that can prevent another damage. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Could you name me two footballers, two current footballers that you've seen, one that you believe has amazing body mechanics that just moves great, looks great, everything just works in perfect order, and one footballer that you would love to get into your treatment studio? Unfortunately, um, I can't tell you any of them that work well. Um, they're training, many of their training is bad, most footballers across the board. The, some do well enough that they're not properly injured, but when we put our hands in them, you can see the percentage of how much they can, the, the um, oxygen, the O-max um, improves just because we've done stuff with their lungs. Now, when you look at, um, again, all of them, their ankles are bad, their knees are bad, their hips are bad, and this is across the board. Many of the footballers, if you're into football, they play through the season injured. And so again, I'm gonna use Van Persie as an example. I didn't make him a better footballer, but I prevented his injuries. So by the end of the season, if you look at his last season at Arsenal, it was a half a second faster than most people. And it's not because 
Well, it's more because the others had injuries that was slower. Yeah, and then if you, I'm inside football, many of them don't do enough training. When, so when the new season starts, they've had like so much time off, they've not really done enough. Now it's more common that they are training in the pre-season, but many of them don't. And so when they go into training, the pre, when they go pre-season with the club, their body's not conditioned where they're left off and they can't do the same training, most injuries happen. I'm going to give you another example. If, do you mind if I give you another example? Yeah, please, yeah. please do. I work with a lot of academy players and the young ones, they never really make it to the big team because of injuries and so on. But I'll give you an example of one of the best academy players. And this happens to a lot of other full-time players. The academy player will, he knows all the exercises expected to be given. He knows the surface. He knows all of the drills. He's brilliant, but he's not still not good enough to get to the club. They put him out on loan. Now that's when the injury starts because the body itself says, my God, what's happening here? Because you've got new training coaches, new um, surfaces. So the body has to adjust and they damage themselves, injure themselves because their body can't make the adjustments through different surfaces. And it's no different when England goes away and had the problem in, with um, Northern Ireland. They wanted me to go over when they did the Euros in France some years ago. They were playing on different surfaces. They were all getting injured, ankles and calves and knees. Yeah, because all of a sudden your body is not conditioned and that new surface that you're playing on. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like any player, but I like the ones I've got. I'm an avid Liverpool fan, and I would love to, to actually uh, get your opinion about Daniel Sturridge. Because Daniel Sturridge had this had this thing about him, you know, he was always getting injured, or like, you know, he, you know, there was always a niggling injury. If Daniel Sturridge came to your treatment studio, your tuna treatment studio, what what sessions or what would you have given him? The, I tried to get Daryl Sturridge years ago. I did a lady um, was on TV in Jamaica. She knew him and we tried. It, it didn't happen. Well, again, the same thing is that once you work on all of his joints, whether it be the toes, the ankles, the knees, the hips, the spine, the neck, the shoulders, then the whole body works in a good synergy. There becomes power, there becomes grace, lack of injury. Yeah, then like I said, while we're doing the work, we're also educating the athlete. Yeah, and so once you're educated, we're showing you things that you can do that the clubs are not showing you. So my background as a kid, yes, I played football, but my background is more martial arts and roller skating. So outside of football, I know lots of exercises or drills that would benefit a footballer, not because of football. Another thing you find with most footballers, most of them don't know how to train. And this is by the club. So if the club trainer isn't looking at the player, they're kind of lazy, they don't do it. They're not disciplined enough to say, this is what I need to do, I'm going to do it anyway. A few, the top players are, but when you look at average, most of them, you know, if they're not being watched or told what to do, how to do, then they don't look at what they're doing properly. So I can show you an exercise, and when I see you do it, you're not doing it correct, but the main of the trainers, I can't be bothered. And so they don't correct the athlete, so they're not training properly. That's when it causes damage. Happens in the training ground. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, like he's lauded as the ultimate professional, uh, takes his training, uh, looks after him, you know, uh, his like body, his lifestyle. Um, what is your opinion about Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, I think he's great. And given what he had, he had some talent but he extended his playing career. 
Yeah, and that is what players would want to do. And so if going and going to a therapist, I think he's got, he had three massage therapists. Anyway, but if you have that and you go through your diet, you can look at rugby, a rugby players in rugby league. They have a different approach to nutrition, diet, sleep, training. Yeah, and at some point they did try to bring some of that into football as well. And the better you do it, there's less injuries. And they have um, collision, they have less injuries than, than footballers. And they have, let's say, better massage therapists also. Yeah, one of the problems we have in football is um, uh, just a, another example. I'm a football player. I love football. I want to be into football. Great. I get an injury. My football career is over, but I want to be in and around football. So I'll go do a sports science and learn to do massage and treatments. But I don't care. I just want to be around football. And they're the people that may be doing the treatments. Then they get promoted, but I don't care. And so what they're delivering to the athletes is not very good. I don't care for football. I care for the body. My ego says, I want you to run faster, better, da, da, da. Yeah, and so for that reason, I'm studying every day, I'm working every day, because I want the body to do better. Some of these guys are in football. Um, if, you, if you're at Fulham, you're at Watford, you're at um, QPR, they don't really touch the, the, the youngsters until it was signed a contract. Those youngsters are the, the potential for the club. You should be investing all that money in them. And if not, you can sell them for more money because they perform better. The physios don't really like to touch them. Oh, that's the behavior. That's the attitude. Yeah. So when there are people like us, they say, well, actually, we actually like health, the person, the body, and we want to help the person. Yeah. And so we'll do things outside the box. And if I don't know, we'll go and study a different course. Yeah. And have a subject, have a subject. So I can do it. Too, too many footballers rely on the doctor and the surgeon. They go get the surgery, now they're screwed, but the surgery takes responsibility if it goes wrong. Not enough accountability to, to the therapist. The Olympics is next year. Most people say, ah, oh, don't bother the Olympics because football's every week, Olympics is every four years. But now we're a year away. There are a lot of athletes that are getting injured and they don't have the sponsorship of the Olympic board or these guys. And they, a lot of the athletes are actually better but because they their face don't fit and they don't have the finances they're not going to um represent so between now and the olympics or all the qualifiers we're going to start working with a lot of the injured athletes and so because they've been rejected by the physios head physios and so on we're going to take them on we've got a 30 grand budget to work with these guys and so if but these guys are they got the olympic potential anyway and the idea is that we get them to paris under touch trainer, something different. And if these guys pick up medals, then we'll start to create a difference or an awareness that the system you're using is flawed. Yeah. So if you want to get in contact with me, it is www. Um, that's the website, touch trainer, or info at touch trainer.com. Errol, uh, head of, head, head teacher and uh, head practitioner. Practitioner at Touch Tweener. Thank you so much for like coming on. I I think this has probably been one of the most educational conversations I've had uh, on this platform. So um, uh, again, thank you, thank you for your time. I invite you to come for treatment, and then you can tell the difference between what we do and what the others do. I'm going to take you put under offer, Errol. Thank you, thank you so much.